Welcome to another exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.net and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, Rob Kelly from the Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, buddy? You know, you start every episode with exciting, and most of the time it's not really true. But in this, <laughs> in this case, it's really exciting. It's absolutely true because of who we have on today's show. I am like, I am super excited about this. This is really cool. We, we, as you're going to hear in just a moment, folks, we are talking to Jerry Conway himself, Yay! co-creator of Firestorm, the man who wrote Justice League for ten years, which featured Aquaman. Uh, he's very near and dear to our characters. He's been a huge supporter of our sites. Which, by the way, we should mention for any of you new to the show. Um, Again, I'm Shag. I run a site called FirestormFan.com where we celebrate the character of Firestorm, the nuclear man, DC's character. And my friend Rob, and I use the term friend uh, loosely, Rob runs the AquamanShrine.net, which obviously celebrates the King of the Seven Seas. And together we have combined forces for the Fire and Water podcast. Oh, sounds amazing. Uh, it sounds like a good show. I should listen to that. Yeah, we're going to have Jerry Conway on. Uh, I'm going to give a brief bio for anyone who isn't familiar with Jerry Conway, although you should be. Uh, Jerry Conway has written comics for 30 to 40 years at this point. He, with us, Ross Andrew, he co-created The Punisher. Uh, he I've heard of that was, guy. You've heard of that guy. Uh, he scripted the amazing Death of Gwen Stacy storyline when he wrote The Amazing Spider-Man. He's also had very long runs on Justice League of America, Fantastic Four. Superman, Iron Man, Detective Comics, Avengers. He was Marvel's editor-in-chief. Uh, he's worked in television and in the movies. He worked on Law and Order, Diagnosis Murder, Following Down Mysteries, the original Conan the Barbarian movie. Uh, he's just uh, – and most recently, uh, he worked on the DC miniseries Last Days of Animal Man, and he's currently back on Spider-Man. So everything, everything old is new again. He's had one of the great careers in, in comics. And just recently, uh, Jerry brought to light a lot of 
concerns regarding creator equity uh, and, and from DC Comics. And uh, I'm not going to talk about it here because so we're going to let Jerry do that. But if you'd like to, head out to his Tumblr, which is jerryconway.tumblr.com, and read about the post that Jerry's been doing and sort of the story as it evolves. Because originally Jerry posted this information. It went viral. And just today, as the time of this recording, DC Comics has actually responded. And uh, Jerry will talk about that when we get going here. Yeah, so like, uh, I guess let's just get uh, get out of the way and let's just uh, get on to our talk with Jerry Conway. Well, Jerry, we're so glad to have you here on the Firewater Podcast again. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. So we're wondering, you know, with with all the tension on DC and their popular TV shows right now, well, you know, what are you thinking about the Flash and the Arrow show? I mean, I know you've got some of your characters on there: Firestorm and Felicity oh, yeah. Smoke and Plastique and Multiplex have all shown up. It's it's been quite a hoot, and uh, I, I've really enjoyed it. I, I especially like the way that they've handled uh, the introduction of Ronnie Raymond and uh, Professor Stein and uh, the Firestorm uh, character. Uh, has it's been a real a real kick. Uh, that was a character I honestly never thought could could be translated outside of the comic book world, and to see that uh, to, to see that character. In real life, let's say, you know, and mm-hmm. to see it done with such care and, and attention and uh, and genuine affection is really, really, really terrific for me as a creator. I tell you, Victor Garber, it's like he stepped off the page as Professor oh, Stein absolutely. to me. He's um, got just the right acerbic quality, you know, and the kind of <laughs> impatience, you know, but yep. the gentle avuncular quality that, that, you, that I always heard in my own head when I was writing Stein. So uh, it's it's nice to hear. When he first, that first moment where he had the ghostly, I'm like, Ronald, I just got chills. <laughs> so they've announced Slipknot's going to be in the Suicide Squad movie, too. Yeah, I, I heard that from you guys first, and then I went and looked back to look at, the, at the photo that they uh, had put up of the uh, of, of the team, and I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> Very I strange. I can't imagine he's going to last too long. I mean, in the, in the Suicide Squad comic, he was pretty much just used to demonstrate how deadly the, the missions could be. Yeah, right. But hey, he's hey, there. Yeah. <laughs> Take what we can get. I was also surprised that Killer Croc was was in it. So that's, uh, oh, that's a right. double. That's another one of yours. Yeah, yeah. I've got two uh, on the team so right now. So that's just amazing, <laughs> as always. Uh, that's. It, it seems like they're really plumbing the 80s. The 70s and 80s for characters in uh, uh, the spinoff uh, media, the, the spinoff media appearances. So I, I just was lucky that I had a lot of characters in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> um, in regards to your uh, Tumblr post that you had today, which was the response to Dan Didio and Jin Lee's response to what you said yes. earlier, uh you know, we're going to assume that probably a lot of people that are listening to the show have read it, but in case anyone has it, uh, what is your general reaction to what uh, Dan and, and Jim wrote about them working towards coming up with a more equitable solution for this? this soul well, I, think it's ter- I think it's terrific. I mean, I, I think that, as I said in my post, I, I do believe that as individuals and as, as uh, management that, that their assumption was that they were addressing this. Uh, that they had a policy in place uh, that, in their eyes, you know, was was clear and simple and and straightforward. And you know, when I when I talked with Dan about it, it, it I, I did sense that there was a certain element of bewilderment on his part that I was upset because <laughs> because you know, from their point of view, they, they this is there's nothing different about what they were doing. 
The problem is not the policy that they believe they have in place. The problem is the policy that has settled into place through the bureaucracy of uh, the, the corporate inertia. Uh, you, you know, it's one thing to say we want to compensate uh, uh, creators for uh, the characters that they create. And so we have this this process, you know, that's very that we feel is very fair to, to uh, all a creator has to do is provide a contract, you know, provide a request. And I mean, it all seems very nice, you know, but it's it's in the execution that things become problematic. And I don't think that anybody at DC was really aware of that in the visceral way that, that my uh, Tumblr post laid it out, uh, or, the, or were really aware that their uh, approach to derivative characters could be perceived the way that my, my Tumblr post had, had uh, laid it out. One of the things that uh, came up in conversation was just was that they feel like they they got a way to compensate people for derivative characters, um, and as they explained it to me, they kind of do. Problem is that it's not really clear how that's supposed to work on a functioning basis, um, and I don't think that the people who they put in charge of executing that policy were even aware that that policy existed. So it's a communication issue, you know, I mean, and, and I think to be to be I was really, really touched and and very uh, flattered, you know, that they reached out to talk to me about it. Uh, I, I don't want to sound like, you know, I never talked to them. They never talked to me. And as a result, I went off half cocked. And I, I, I did try to address this with D.C. for for several years, dealing with the people who were in charge of executing this policy and. What I got back was the kind of stonewalling that led me to uh, express the frustration that I felt uh, in my original Tumblr post that has gotten the response that it's gotten. And I think that took DC by surprise when it really actually shouldn't. But again, as I say, I don't think they really were aware of how things were being executed at the uh, at the at the uh, uh you know, at the street level of, of, of this policy. If we can take just a slight step back even more, maybe, like if someone, let's say someone hasn't read your Tumblr post, can, sure. you, go, can you cover the they core should. issue? <laughs> they absolutely should. And that's, by the way, that's jerryconway.tumblr.com. You should definitely check that out, folks. But can you give them maybe the, the elevator pitch sure. of what the, the, the conflict this, is? The, the elevator pitch on this is that DC started back in the mid-1970s, a very uh, forward-thinking policy at the time to provide what was known as creator equity in characters that were created uh, for DC books. Uh, the uh, policy simply said that that if you created a character for a DC book, you would be offered a contract, or you would be, or you would be in in effect given. Uh, uh, you pre were presumed to have created these characters. And you would be given a percentage of whatever uh, DC received for uh, uh, use of that character outside of the comic book uh, field. So, for example, if you had a, a character like I, I create a killer croc, uh, you created that for Batman. That character appears on the uh, Batman cartoon show. You get a percentage of what DC receives for the use of that character on the cartoon show, and and, it, and that's how it was was executed for for many years. I didn't actually 
I was not even actually aware that there was a process that, <laughs> that you went through to get that because Paul Levitz, who was in charge, pretty much took care of it from a proactive point of view. He'd say, okay, we're using this character, you know, make sure that uh, uh, Jerry Conway or Len Wein or, you know, uh, uh, Doug Munch or, or, or Don Newton gets the appropriate paperwork or the paperwork is filed on their behalf and they get, the, they get this, this money. So that was how it was working. There was also uh, simultaneously for characters that that were considered, quote, derivative characters like Power Girl, uh, DC was also giving money uh, for those characters. Uh, But again, since this was never formally executed by paperwork, a paperwork trail at the time, I was not aware. And I think other creators were not necessarily aware that these were two distinct different policies. And the policy to provide money for creators of derivative characters, such as Power Girl, who was presumed to be derived from Superman, uh, was not a formal policy of uh, acknowledging you as a creator. They simply gave you money. Uh, <laughs> now, at the end, now when you get a check, it's a check. You don't know that the check is because it's considered a derivative property or whether it's a a shared property. It's a kind of weird, you know, vague sort of thing. You know, it says incentive, it says residual, it says royalties, it says independent. Con- Who knows where, what what the purpose of this check is? It's just a check, and it's nice, and you're glad you got it. <laughs> so you go, thank you, and you deposit it. And that's the end of the conversation. Well, when Paul left, I, I think what happened was DC decided they were going to rationalize this process and create a uh, bureaucratic process to replace. Paul's hands-on uh, informal process. The result was, when you create a bureaucracy, basically you say to the bureaucracy, okay, this, these are the steps you need to follow. And then the bureaucracy takes those steps and breaks them down and makes it into a formal process. Uh, and what had been a proactive process where DC reached out and said, here's what we're going to do for you, became a reactive process where DC waited for creators to come to them and say, oh, hey, I see that my character is being used uh, now on Flash, and I would like you to send me a paperwork that I can file to get, you know, and suddenly it became this whole big thing. And uh, I went from being the happy recipient of, you know, random checks, you know, (laughs) very nice, and, you know, to suddenly I have to now supervise DC and audit DC for all of the characters that may appear in dozens and hundreds of different venues where I don't, I don't know what's coming up. I mean, I didn't even know Slipknot was going to be appearing in Suicide Squad until you guys <laughs> tweeted it. I was like, oh, really? That's nice. Uh, and by the way, I wouldn't have known that Slipknot was a character I created because oh. honestly, you know, it's 40 odd years ago, guys. I've moved into odd to a different part of my life. Uh, I don't keep a database of my, my material. Um, I, I, I wouldn't have known Felicity Smoke was a character I created, to be honest with you. Uh, and, and it's not to say I'm not, I'm disinterested. It's just that, you know, I have a lot of other stuff that, that goes on. Uh, it's much easier for a company like DC, which has the data and is maintaining the data for their own purposes, for, for their own usage, to simply use that data proactively to say, okay, this goes into this file, this goes into that file, 
this person created this character, we'll send out the paperwork, you know, and so on. I mean, it's, it's just a much more rational system to have DC do it. Uh, but because it's a bureaucracy and they simply said, this is now our policy, they assumed that it was going to be taken care of. And I think that they, that was a, a mistaken assumption on their part, which they're now aware of. Does that make sense to you guys? I mean, have I explained that effectively? Do you think your reader, your viewers, uh, and listeners will understand that? Oh, I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Yep. And if you guys don't, again, jerryconway.tumblr.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Kaylin Snow has sort of been sort of the tentpole character through a lot of this. Yeah. Now, she, when, in the comics, she appeared as Killer Frost first, and then they introduced the killer, the Caitlin Snow aspect of her, and she primarily appears as Killer Frost. Do you get paid when she appears as Killer Frost? Well, if she appears as Killer Frost, uh, which is at this point theoretical, although I've had indications from conversations that that's that she's going to be appearing as Killer Frost. Uh, but if when as the character of Killer Frost, I will be paid. Okay. Her. Uh, as the character of Caitlin Snow, officially no one gets paid for her. But there is apparently a process, as I say, this is where things get very vague and, and, and kind of DC needs to work this out and make it more, more clear. There is a process for a creator of the derivative character, uh, which in this case is uh, Sterling Gates and uh, uh, Durless uh, Santa Cruz. They will receive a... Uh, a kind of informal bonus payment for that usage, okay. uh, which is great. You know, I mean, they, they're the ones who did it, and you know, uh, they should get it. In the same way, I should get something for Jason Todd's appearance in uh, the the Batman Red Hood animated uh, uh, feature, uh, which, by the way, I haven't. So, <laughs> yeah. ah, okay. there is a, there is an example of where the the theory doesn't actually meet the reality, but. I, I assume that in that case, what we're looking at is simply, you know, mistaken communication at the, uh, from uh, from the various parts of DC not communicating fully about what their intentions are, and that's where I hope that this whole uh, uh, media eruption, you know, has had some positive effect for uh, creators other than me, you know, who may not even be aware that these situations exist, you know. I mean, a lot of this, I mean, if, if you've ever had dealings with accountants, then you know they, they really like their policies and they like their rules. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like in a lot of cases Absolutely. they're just following what, they're, what they believe well, the policy to be. They're also, I mean, I mean there's, a, there's a natural tendency uh, in bureaucracies to be conservative. Uh, I don't mean that politically conservative. I just mean, you know, that they, they're, 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 they, their goal for, for bureaucracy is to conserve. And to not make a mistake is better than to make a mistake. And to not do something is better than to do something that was wrong. You know, once you give money out to someone, it's harder to get it back if you've done it mistakenly. Uh, so the natural tendency is to not give money out because if you do so, uh, you could have made a bad mistake, you know, that could cost you your job. And that's I can I get that. That's why the clarity is needed from the leadership. Uh, about what their actual intentions are so that uh, everybody is on the same page there. Um, a couple of days ago, uh, Neil Adams, who knows a thing or two about creators' rights, sure. <laughs> uh, wrote hey, uh, a letter to Bleeding Cool uh, defending you and defending this whole initiative. Do you have any particular comment about that? Neil has always been a very, very aggressive and uh, a, a very forthright guy on this issue. I mean, Neil is the guy 
who uh, publicly shamed uh, Warner Brothers into paying uh, Siegel and Schuster for when the first Superman movie came out back in the mid seventies. Uh, you know, they they what, what few people of your generation, I guess, would know at this point is that uh, prior to the Superman film, Siegel and Schuster had been completely shut out from any money at uh, uh, relating to Superman. They had lost. Uh, well, they, I don't know if they lost, but there were there there was there was a big court case back in the late 1940s over the rights to Superman and Superboy, and according to what. I've read about this. Uh, Siegel and Schuster were, were informed basically that they had not, that they did not own the rights to Superman, but they did in fact own the rights to Superboy, uh, which they were then forced to sell to DC to pay for their legal bills, oh. <laughs> which is pretty horrible and, 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 you know, an indictment of our, uh, legal system. But, as a result, they came out of that with no ownership and no uh, relationship to those characters uh, at all. I mean, for many years, Siegel was writing for DC in the 50s, but he was writing as, as a employee, you know, as a freelancer and had no income uh, other than that. And Schuster uh, had none uh, from DC. So by the mid-1970s, these two guys were pretty much destitute, uh, in living in poverty. You know, as Schuster was, uh, had bad health issues. Uh, and uh, there were these, this huge announcement about the Superman movie. And Neil, uh, very heroically, because he was working for DC and was, you know, a, 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 a vital contributor to DC at that time, uh, stepped out and made a big public stink that actually got the attention of newspapers and uh, 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 TV, uh, the TV news networks. Weren't they uh, on the Tomorrow Show at one point? Yes, I mean they, they he brought them out, and Neil got Warner Brothers to basically uh, uh, change its policy, and spe specifically with regard to Siegel and Schuster, giving them credit on the film and a lifetime pension uh, from that point forward that uh, you know, took care of their financial needs to, to some degree uh, until they passed away. Uh, and that, that goes to Neil. So you know, he's, been a, he's been a hero on, uh, on these, these issues for uh, 40 years and you know, deserves all of every creator's uh, uh, respect and admiration for that. He said some really interesting things about how tenuous the work for hire policies are. Yeah, there's a it's a very legally gray area, uh, which both companies have, have tried to shore up, uh, you know, with their with their uh, uh, their ongoing contracts. Um, but I have I have a I have another issue with this. I mean, and this is something I addressed in another blog post, which is why I'll never actually sue over any of this stuff because. While there, while these are legal gray areas, they're not moral gray areas. Anybody who wrote for comic books or drew for comic books in the 1970s knew that they were selling all of their rights to these to this material. We have no moral or ethical right to ask for it now. That's my, and I sincerely believe that. That doesn't mean that there's not a moral or ethical right. Uh, or moral or ethical obligation on the part of the companies to compensate us, because I believe there is, you know. But I think that it's being disingenuous if I, as a creator, who signed those checks and wrote, uh, signed those contracts, 
and now want to redefine the terms under which I sold those, sold those stories. Uh, that's, to me, disingenuous and, and immoral. Uh, but that was also my argument for why I think that the uh, companies like DC that had a policy that was outreaching and uh, 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 proactive towards creators and making sure that creators got some payment for their characters, why the apparent reneging on that was immoral. That's how I, I, I perceived it. Uh, because I kind of have this kind of ethical dilemma, you know, which is you can't really say if you if you're a conscious human being that you didn't know you were selling the rights to all of your all the rights to these these uh, stories when you when you were when you did them. You really can't say that because it's pretty clear that that's what we were doing, uh, and we were okay with it. So we can't really complain about that, and I'm not complaining about that. That's a very important distinction, I think, so I'm yeah. glad you, you pointed that out. Now, you worked for DC just a few years ago. You did that fantastic Animal Man miniseries, The Last Days of Animal Man. Thank and you. Um, were there any creator you know, equity issues on that one, or were you primarily using, I guess you were using a lot of existing characters. Yeah, I was using existing, existing characters. I, and I didn't have any issues with DC at that time. And, I, and I, honestly, I don't actually have issues with DC right now, but I, I have uh, concerns you know, about how things are going forward. Uh, nothing came up because it wasn't really relevant. Uh, all that was going on at that point in terms of character usage were uh, action figures and uh, the occasional cartoon uh, yeah. appearance. Uh, so I wasn't really, there was nothing really for me to, to, to uh, uh, react to. Um, and Dan, in our conversation, Dan DiDio in our conversation said, you know, the, the part of the problem is that they're victims of their own success right now. Uh, it, it's, it's like all of these characters that, that were sitting in the shadows and, uh, you know, quietly being ignored are now suddenly everywhere. Uh, and DC is playing catch up. Uh, and, you know, as I say, if you don't have a clear policy, that can, that can make things a little awkward. <laughs> so well, I hope all of this doesn't drive DC to just focus on new original characters in their media expansion rather than digging up folks like Felicity Smoke. Or no, I think I, I, I actually I don't think that's going to be the problem. I, I think I think what this is going to do, and I, at least that's my take from the conversation I had and from what I've what I what I see in their their press release, is that they're they're going to try to find some way to make this policy work uh, because it's to their advantage. I mean, it's it. it, it, it Using these characters is good for DC. It's good for their books. Uh, it's good for the creators of the books. You know, if if they are being, uh, if they receive some money uh, and or credit. I mean, I'd I'd also like to honestly see DC do what Marvel does, where they do a little scroll at the end of an episode. You know, thanking the particular creators whose work was used in that that episode. But you know, that's that's another issue. Uh, but. It's it, there's no downside for DC to doing this. Uh, there's a tremendous upside if they actually embrace this and move forward. And I think that's where what they see and what they I hope they're going to uh, pursue. Uh, last year, uh, Alan Brennert uh, announced that he was going through what ended up being a very similar situation to your own in terms of a character that he created, uh, as they called a derivative character that's on Gotham. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't uh, I don't want to presume to, to speak for him because he's Alan Brenner and he doesn't need anybody to speak for him. <laughs> um, but I get the sense that he was met with much more of a harsher stone wall from D.C. than than you have been. And to this point, he announced that he is just flat out not going to work for D.C. or I think even Marvel as long as they have these practices in place. Uh, do you, I mean, you know, obviously you could feel differently tomorrow than you feel right now. And it's, you know, but do you feel a similar sense of like, I, you know, until this gets fixed, I don't want to work for you or does that not necessarily your main concern? Well, I, uh, I think Alan got caught in the same thing that I got caught in, which was dealing with people who didn't know, didn't know what the policy was or whether the policy was applicable or whatever. Uh, and the problem is that there's a kind of a stonewally attitude that happens in corporations when you know it's one person. You know, it's sort of like if you don't, if you don't, if you're not dealing with a big issue, you don't want to deal with it. It's a small issue, and you just sort of they can get side sideswiped. So I think that's what happened with with Alan in this regard. And maybe he maybe this will be resolved, and and he'll be happier, you know, with the result. Um, but in my own case, I mean. Uh, uh, assuming that w- everything that I've been told is is the case, that uh, this is a question of miscommunication, that the policy actually does exist for people to be uh, 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 compensated in some way for for derivative characters, uh, I don't see any barrier, you know, to me working for them. In fact, one of the things that Dan DiDio, uh brought up when when uh, we were talking was that, that he said that they were wanted to, to find some way to reboot Firestorm, and he'd like to talk to me about it. So, Oh, thank heaven. <laughs> there's, there's a little, little scoop for you guys, but, you know, I don't know that, you know, I don't know how, how, how that could t- work out. I mean, you know, I tried several years ago when they were, before they rebooted it for New 52, they, uh, I, I put in my own two cents and never heard back from them. So I don't know, you know, it's like it could be anything. Uh, but I have no, you know, from my end, I'm I'm always happy to work for DC. They're a company that I was very uh, very attached to for an, uh, a large part of my comic book writing career. Uh, they I got my initial break into comics at DC. You know, I have I created a whole bunch of characters for them that I I'm really fond of. Uh, you know, if if this derivative issue is what they say it is, then you know it can. Certainly, uh, I could see a, a way forward. Now, they may not want me to because, you know, I've, I've made their life hell the last week. <laughs> but I don't know, you know, if they want to be in business with a guy who did that. But, you know, assuming that, that, that they're sincere, as which I believe they are, you know, in, uh, in, in what they've said, you know, I don't see any, any necessary pro- uh, barrier to it. Well, you're certainly on their radar, and there's no such thing as bad press. So. <laughs> oh, I think there are things that are just bad press. <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, I know there are actually people I know who have been blackballed for at various companies because of uh, actions they've taken. Mm. I've never taken those actions that they have that could blackball me, but, uh, you know, I've, I, I can't imagine, honestly. I was I, One of the things I said, as I said in my blog today, I was very touched by was how uh, nice both of these guys were, both uh, Dan DiDio and, and Jeff Johns, when they reached out to me. And as I honestly would have, you know, expected a pummeling. <laughs> 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 they were very nice, so 
you know, I take them at their word. <laughs> well, on a little bit of a happier note, you're currently working, doing some work for Marvel, which is great. Back home yes. with Spider-Man. Congratulations. Thank you. Now, I don't know much about Marvel's equity arrangement. Is that different from DC? And then one of the pieces that I'm fascinated with is, you know, Marvel's Digital Unlimited is wildly successful. And I'm, and I don't know if you know any of this, but I'm just curious how that equity concern works when, with the subscription service. Well, it's, it's, uh, that I, I can't honestly say with, with any real, uh, specificity, uh, but Marvel, Marvel has a different, a different approach to the creator, uh, compensation. Than DC does, uh, and they like to keep theirs between them and their cre- and the creators. Okay. So you know, it's like I, uh, I'm working for them. There we go. <laughs> After kill it, kill us if you tell us. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I would say that for many years, I I, I felt that that DC's uh, DC's position was fairer than Marvel's position, and I no longer feel that that's that that equation you know holds. I think that both companies have. Uh, approaches that, that work for each of them, uh, hopefully work for each of them in dealing with creators. You know, they'll compare and contrast, they'll argue their cases, and that's all good, you know, to, because it all is, is to the case, it's all to the benefit of the creators. Now, uh, this may have already been answered sort of as we've been talking, but uh, it doesn't seem to, uh, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but there doesn't seem to be as much of a problem in terms of your equity in a character like Firestorm. No. Uh, it's only the, der- is it, it's really focused on the derivative characters? Is that, is that yeah. really seem well, to be the issue? It, it, actually, there's, there's three different levels. I mean, there's the characters that were created specifically under a creator-owned contract, like, uh, like Firestorm and Vixen, uh, Steel. Uh, these characters were created specifically under uh, a creator uh, equity contract back in the mid-70s. Uh, and those contracts specified that all of the characters created in those titles were to be shared, you know, uh, with creator equity. So it, I didn't I don't actually have to file a a, a, a killer frost uh, creator equity requ- request form because she was part of that original creation. But that is something we only discovered in the last month, you know, in, in dealing with them. Uh, because I was like, Wait, guys, I think that my original contract said that this is all covered, you know, and it was like, huh. And then they went back and looked, and yeah, it is. So those that's separate. Then there's the characters that are created in other books, where like a character like Killer Croc, for example, is created in Batman. That's not a derivative character. That's a, a uh, original new character that appears in that book, and that goes under their separate creator equity contract. Uh as I say, under the, the old administrative approach, those contracts were uh, filed proactively uh, by DC when those when those characters were going to be used in an animated show or a toy or whatever. Uh, and we as creators didn't have to go out and ask for them. Now we have to go out and ask for them. And that's where I think a, a lot of the initial uh, problem for me started to, to arise because seriously, I did not even know that, I mean, like Count Vertigo, I think you guys were the ones who told me, or somebody told me through Twitter that, oh, what do you think about the fact that Count Vertigo is going to be appearing on on Arrow? And I had two responses. The first response was, who's Count Vertigo? (laughs) (laughs) 
because honestly, I wrote one story with him. You know, I think I wrote one one story that that I did as a backup feature somewhere with with Green Arrow and created a character called Count Vertigo. And wows it. You know, now it's now it's off going. And the second was, huh, I wonder why DC didn't tell me about that. And that led to opening that can of worms where I discovered that I now had to proactively go out and ask for these characters uh, for, for equity uh, uh, in those characters, where before I'd never had to do that. So that's what started this whole snowball rolling. And then the third class of characters are what we call the derivative characters. And again, there's confusion because uh, under the prior administration, you know, for a character like Power Girl, I was receiving, you know, a few, uh, some amount of money here and there when these characters would come out as toys and, it, you know, I'd get a, a, a copy of the toy and it was all very nice. But, but then after the new administration came in, we were told, no, we're not going to be, we're, we're no longer going to be giving the, these monies out in the way that we had been giving them. We're going to give them out as bonuses and here's your bonus. And then that's the last bonus I ever saw. And that was five years ago. Hmm. <laughs> so, that's a whole nother thing, which according to my conversations, you know, oh, no, that's not how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to be getting something. Uh, we just have to figure out how we're going to do that. And I'm like, well, it's been five years, you know, and I've never received anything for Jason Todd. Um, and what about these other? So it, it, this is where the problem lies, you know, is, is just in defining what it what it is that they mean by what they're saying. Because you get different stories, you know, it's like when I asked about Caitlin Snow, who is a derivative character of Killer Frost, because I was curious, how do we define this? You know, it's like under one circumstance, you know, a derivative character is assumed to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, created by the original creator. You know, like that, that's why I use the facetious example of Power Girl was presumably created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Stute there. <laughs> right. And yet who's supposed to get that money is Jerry, you know, how, how does that should, should I be getting for Caitlin snow? If, since she's based on killer frost, uh, or should the person who actually wrote the story get that money? And, and so it just got very vague, you know, and, and then the final answer that I received, which set this all off was an email, which I reprinted again on my blog, you know, saying that nobody gets anything. <laughs> and that was when I said, okay, that's just crazy. Uh, and a according to what I've heard and told, that's not the case. That was a, that was a mistaken communication from, uh, the people who were actually in charge of that program. So you have to ask yourself, you know, if, if the people who are in charge of executing that program are communicating something that's that wrong, somebody somewhere needs to step up and say, no, this is not what we intended. Yeah. Well, I, 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 and for a point of clarification, too, when we're talking about characters like Power Girl and, and Caitlin Stone and stuff like that, is is the creator equity concern only in regard to external media from the comics, or does this issue also apply within the comic books themselves? You know, that's a really good question. I, mean, I think inside the comic books there are there is no uh, remuneration. Oh, uh, okay. There was because those those uh, uh, I, I received some money of uh, some royalties on Firestorm when it was rebooted for the new 52. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I never received any royalties on Power Girl in any of the books that, that, that she appeared in. So my assumption is, and it's an assumption again, because this is not laid out and clarified anywhere. Um, my assumption is that, that, that we're only talking about receiving some kind of compensation for when the characters, derivative characters appear uh, in other media, you know, either as toys or uh, video or uh, video games or, or, you know, TV or video. Okay. And then this, this is maybe a, a silly question or not, but like, what about a character like Firehawk, you know, where certainly she's derivative of Firestorm, but you created Firestorm as well. Right. Well, in that case, because it comes under the Firestorm uh, general contract, I would I would receive creator equity. Okay. Uh, but it's a good question, isn't it? I mean, it, she's clearly a separate and different character. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's like it, this is the, this, I guess, is the uh, this is the philosophical problem that that I I have, which will never be resolved because I think DC is pretty much committed to this uh, uh, and, and you, ha- you know, you sort of have to accept it as the way things are, or just decide that you're going to, you know, go go berserk. You know, which I don't, hmm. I don't always agree. But <laughs> um, there, the philosophy that makes this sort of weird is the idea that that uh, a derivative character cannot be an original character. Uh, I don't necessarily buy that. I would say that the Flash. Uh, that exists, uh, you know, in modern comics, is obviously a different character from the Flash that that existed in the 1940s, but they are the same character. So you can make an argument that the Flash, you know, super fast guy in red, uh, is the same character in both cases. But Barry Allen is definitely a different character from Jay Garrick, mm-hmm. and those two characters are separate and original creations. So, I, you know, I, I, I understand why, why a company would not want to go down that path because it's an endlessly spiraling uh, <laughs> path of, of who's going to claim what portion of which character. And, but here's where, here's, I, this is where things get weird for me. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the uh, 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 compensation is going to be for the episodes of The Flash where Martin Stein, Ronnie Raymond, and Firestorm are all in the same episode. Mm-hmm. Am I going to be paid separately for Martin, Ra- Martin Stein, <laughs> Ronnie Raymond, and Firestorm? Or are they going to give me one payment for that one character? Now, Clever. according to the logic that DC has, I should get three separate checks. <laughs> Jeez. Dinner's right? on Jerry. Right? <laughs> I mean, how else can we define it? Because by de- because according to them, Killer Frost and Caitlin Snow are two separate characters. <laughs> <laughs> their own their own adherence to policies is going to come back and bite well, them. Well, this is where it's that's why I say it gets crazy. I I I I just don't, and that's why my heart goes out to these guys in a lot of ways too. Because you know they're in this weird you know because of because of corporate needs. Which, which are legitimate needs. You know, you need to, to lock down what you're going to be able to, you know, where, where, where your money is going to go and what's, what, what, what your obligations are. You need to lock that down. You can't have it be open-ended. But the problem is their, 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 their solution to locking it down is itself open-ended. <laughs> so it's, 
you can't get there from here. I really am looking forward to that that statement when it comes because it'll be really fascinating. Because um, yeah. as I said, because the other thing that DC does, I'm mean, not DC. I guess maybe Warner's does this is they give a flat payment for all the characters that appear in an episode of The Flash, and then that payment is divided out on a on a prorated basis. Uh, so like if you've got five characters that appeared in that episode, uh, you know, they divide them by five. Oh. So, so let's say that, you know, in the case, in the case of those episodes of the flash where I had Martin Stein, Firestorm and Professor Stein, my proportion of, of payment goes up <laughs> or does it because he, he divided it another way. It's one, you know, they're, they compress it to one and then the, the pie gets bigger. I mean, I don't, I don't want to have to be the guy who has to figure that out. <laughs> Boy, that spinoff show with all the heroes in it—that's going to hurt because it's going to be divided amongst so many people. <laughs> well, it's going it's to hurt the accountants, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, there's one payment, and then they, they split it up. You know, so it doesn't. I mean, DC's piece of it stays the same. That's the thing to remember: is that we're getting a percentage. Each of us gets a percentage, but their percentage remains the same uh, over the, the the overall amount. So just becomes complicated for for the creators well in the spirit of complication it may be a little bit of fun uh we're planning a, a little tongue-in-cheek lightning round is what we're calling it where we're gonna we're playing a game we call derivative or not derivative all right jerry's been responsible for somewhere in the upward of 500 characters i think i've read that you've created I, that's a guess yeah, but i <laughs> we're, think we're, we're not going after that many folks uh and we are focusing on dc so rob well how about you put 60 seconds on the clock all right, we'll, we'll fill in the sound effect. Yeah, we'll pretend we're going to put in a sound effect. <laughs> All right, here we go, Jerry. Derivative or not derivative? This is by DC's definition, right? Okay, so, yeah, sure. Okay. Power Girl. Okay. Derivative. Killer Croc. Uh, original. Jason Todd. Derivative. Firestorm. Original. Firehawk. Original. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little pause there. <laughs> Plastique. Original. Multiplex. Original. Slipknot. Original. Hell Steve. yeah. <laughs> we love Slipknot. My first Firestorm issue was a Slipknot. It was the Slipknot issue. But uh, Steel, the Indestructible Man. Uh, original. Steel from Justice League Detroit. Uh, original. Oh, okay. Vixen. Original. Gypsy. Original. Black Bison. Original. Silver Deer. Uh, original. If I even knew, remembered who that was, but she was uh, <laughs> sort of a partner of Black Bison, which kind okay, of struck yeah, me as might be derivative. I wasn't sure. Well, no, I think she'd be original in that curse. In that, okay. Case. Block from Legion of Superheroes. Uh, well, he was a chip off the old. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure he's original. Yes. Baron Blitzkrieg. Uh, original. Wouldn't he just be derivative of the Nazi party? Uh, you could say so, but <laughs> I think I think we give him a special dispensation. There we go. Good luck getting money out of them. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, was... you never know. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop this train of discussion immediately. <laughs> uh, Felicity Smoke. Uh, original. Count Vertigo. Original. Killer Frost. Original. Louise Lincoln as the second killer. Derivative. Okay. Atari Force. That's a good one. Yeah, oh. I thought that <laughs> might be. <laughs> They're all original characters within a property that DC doesn't own. So it's not, it doesn't really matter whether they're original or not. It's true. Uh, yeah. DC, DC license. Well, actually, I don't even think DC licensed it, but I don't know who would actually own it at this point. It's weird, you know. That's a weird one. And the last one, and I'm going to make a distinction here, is Vibe. There's Paco Ramon from the comics, and then now the new Cisco Ramon. Well, my position is original. <laughs> okay, for both? 
Yes, because I think a Cisco does not a Paco change. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're both Ramones, and unless it's, unless they're playing rock and roll, <laughs> they're not brothers. They're the same person. Agreed, agreed. All right. Well, thank you for that lightning round. All right. Well, uh, before we let you go, Jerry, we want to ask one last thing. Uh, Jerry Economy, creator of Slipknot. Uh, what? Uh, <laughs> Well, was, my favorite thing. What is there anything a listener or a reader of comics that can do to support creator equity rights? Because so many comic fans just sort of want to read the comics and they don't want to hear about this. They don't want to see how the sausage is made, but they have to because it's you know this, these things wouldn't exist without people like you. So, is there anything in particular somebody the average reader can do to well, I, to forward I think this? It's important. I, I think the first thing is for the the average reader to recognize that this this really is important for their for their continued enjoyment of these books because to the extent that writers and artists feel that, that they're going to receive compensation for the, the uh, contribution that they make to these characters and to their future viability, they're going to be more creative. So you want to encourage writers and artists to be more creative so you can have better books. Uh, so that's what, that's where the fans vested interest is. Uh, I would say that if they, if they want to do something proactively until DC gets up and running with a more proactive version of, uh, getting the creators, uh, 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 equity, uh, paperwork into the creator's hands, they could go to, uh, my blog and follow some of the, some of the links there that will lead them to the creator's equity, uh, program page, uh, where I provide a, uh, a copy of the request form that creators are supposed to file, uh, when asking for creator equity. Uh, and if they have a character that they, or characters that they particularly like or, a, a creator that they they followed uh, and they want to do them a favor, fill out that form and email it to the creator uh, and tell them that they should send it into DC Comics. A lot of artists and writers are not aware that DC has this program, uh, which is part of the outreach that I think DC is going to hopefully do, you know, in the in the, in the next few months. Uh, and those who aren't aware should be made aware uh, that they have some. Uh, some potential compensation coming their way. And other than that, just re reblog my posts, you know, follow, follow what's going on on this and, uh, and talk about it amongst yourselves. <laughs> Fantastic. You heard, you heard it, nerds. Get out there. Find, find your favorite characters when they appear in video games, you know, cereal boxes, whatever it might be, and make sure to inform your favorite creators that those appearances are out there. Yes, absolutely, because many of us are not aware all right. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for appearing here on the Fire and Water Podcast. We sincerely appreciate your time. And what a what a powerful um, mission you're on, maybe is the way to put it. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know if I'd qualify it at that. But, <laughs> but it you know, keeps me occupied. <laughs> <laughs> it was certainly worthwhile, and hopefully it will be to the benefit to a lot of the creators out there and will be meaningful to the people whose stories that we've enjoyed so much. Well, thank you. That was amazing. Oh, Jerry is such an amazing guy. I, wow. I love that man, and not just because he created Slipknot. <laughs> 
Well, that I mean, incredibly uh, insightful information. I think it's a lot for folks to think on and chew on, and hey, some take some action too, folks. Get get off your uh, your comic book, you know, heinies, and get out there and take some action and help support your creators. <laughs> you clearly started that sentence before you knew where it was. Ending. You are absolutely correct. Uh, one of the things we want to mention too, folks, this is part of a larger crossover that we're doing with other podcasters. And it, w- what we're doing is uh, a number of podcasts want to come out and support Jerry in these uh, this story he's putting forward and the concerns he's putting forward. And so we're partnering with a number of different podcasts on this. And um, I-, I guess it's fair to say, Rob, that we're kind of on the front end of this. We're a little... Yeah, we are going to be releasing this early normally uh, from people who listen to the show regularly. Um, we normally post on Sunday, Monday new episodes. But because this story with Jerry is evolving like every day there's some new piece of information we want this to be as current as possible so we are going to be posting this early so for most of you that that, that, that do follow the show you're going to see this episode pop up probably thursday morning on your feed because we just we want to get it out there as soon as possible and also with the crossover we're very early as well like the, all the participants and i'm going to name them off in just a minute they're going to be producing their podcast throughout the month of may so this jerry conway support is going to be ongoing for quite some time and um the, what, what's the hashtag? The hashtag is going to be hashtag Conway X over Conway as in C O N W A Y X O V E R. So that's what you should follow on Twitter and any other social medias. Uh, if you want to follow all the different posts regarding this podcast crossover. And I'm going to go ahead and, and name check the folks that are participating in this podcast crossover. Cause I mean, like Rob said, the story's evolving. Well, the, the the members of the podcast crossovers are sort of evolving as well. So I may miss a few folks, so forgive me. But I'm just going to name check them real quick. So please listen to their podcast. They're going to sort of either touch on the issue of what's going on with Jerry, or they might celebrate his career by covering an issue or two that he wrote. So here we go. Uh, the Superman and Batman podcast by Michael Bradley. Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror by Sean Angles. Flowers and Fishnets, a Black Canary podcast by Ryan Daly. Comic Book Time Machine by Ben Avery. The Supermates podcast by Chris and Cindy Franklin. The Hammer podcast by Gene Hendricks. Superman Forever Radio by Bob Fisher. Task Force X, a Suicide Squad podcast by Aaron Head Moss. Head Speaks, also by Aaron Head Moss. The Quarterbin Podcast by Professor Alan Middleton. Lantern Cast, which has a cast of folks involved, but we're good friends with our buddy Chad Bokelman, who's appeared on this show. The Pop Culture Affidavit by Tom Panarese. The Flash Podcast by Andy. And I'm sorry, Andy, I can't say your last name. So we're just going to say that. <laughs> the Flash Podcast. And then King Size Comics, Giant Size Fun by Kyle Benning. And Dave's Daredevil Podcast by J. David Weeder. And folks, there may be some more folks that are going to be involved in the crossover, and I'm sorry if I've missed you but as rob said conway x over is your hashtag that will help you find all the folks involved in this crossover and it's very exciting that all these fans are coming together to try and support jerry in this initiative now rob why don't you tell the folks at home where they can find uh our tumblr and our email address things along those lines our tumblr is fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com and our email address is firewaterpodcast at comcast.net and you can find my good friend Rob over at AquamanShrine.net. You can find me at FirestormFan.com. Also, we're both very active on social media. You can find Rob on Twitter and Facebook under Aquaman Shrine. And you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Instagram, and uh, Tumblr as FirestormFan. Well, folks, again, our thanks to Jerry Conway. Uh, what a great guy. What a great interview. And I think it's a, a very worthwhile initiative. So until next time, folks, fan the flame. And ride the wave. Bye now. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. 
Friends forever.